Get the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. If you could ask for anything you wanted, what would it be? For Solomon, it was wisdom. For Elisha, it was something even more audacious. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his new series on Elisha with a focus on the prophet's unusual request and how it was granted by his mentor. From Elisha, the double-blessed prophet, here's David to introduce his message, The Double Blessing. Thank you for joining us. We are studying the life of Elisha. You know, I have been preaching for uh, 50 years now here in this church in San Diego for 40. And um, there's not a lot that I haven't taught from the Scripture, but there are some things. And it dawned on me uh, several months back that I had never taught the life of Elisha to the people at Shadow Mountain. So uh, we did a whole series of studies, 10 studies on the life of Elisha. We have a beautiful study guide that goes with this series. And uh, we learned a lot from this man who followed Elijah as God's prophet. He had the audacity to ask God to bless him twice as much as he blessed Elijah. And you know what's so interesting about this study? When you get to the end of it, if you add up all of the blessings, it comes out that God did that. He did exactly what Elijah asked him to do. Have you ever thought about asking God for something outlandish and watch God do it? I don't mean something crazy, but I mean something great for him, something great for the kingdom. Well, Elisha teaches us how to do that. And if you'd like to have the study guide that goes along with this, you can go to our website there. It will tell you everything you need to know. Hey, let me tell you a little bit about some other things that are coming up, uh, some rallies that we're doing this fall. I know that you uh, have heard about these because I've talked about them a little bit. But we're going to be in Tampa, Florida at the Yingling Center on October the 5th in Jacksonville, Florida at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena on October the 7th. We're going to be in Houston, Texas at the Berry Center on October the 26th and finish up our tour in Fort Worth, Texas at the Dickies Arena on October the 28th. You can get tickets for these events. The tickets are free, but you have to have a ticket. You have to have a ticket, and the way you do that is you get in touch with us. Most people do that through, uh, through our website, through the Internet, and uh, you order your tickets, and we, we get them to you, make them available to you, and you're ready to come and join us for a night of celebration and teaching. And we haven't been able to do this uh, for um, quite a few months and this is our first time back, and we hope you'll come and help us uh, restart the engine of our, of our rallies. We're going to have a great time this fall. Now, I want to get started with um, this next lesson on Elisha, but I still have a lot of things to tell you about, and I'll be back when this is over to fill you in on some more details. In the book, The Whisper Test, Marianne Bird tells how she came to experience the power of a blessing. She said, I grew up knowing I was very different, and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate, 
And when I started school, my classmates made it clear how I looked to others. Little girl, misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, garbled speech. When schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that nobody outside my family would ever love me. And then there was a teacher in the second grade we adored. Her name was Mrs. Leonard. Annually, we had a hearing test, and Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everybody in the class. Finally, it was my turn. I knew from past years, as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper, and we'd have to repeat it back. She would whisper something like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? I waited there for her words when it was my turn to be tested. God must have put in her mouth these seven words because these seven words changed my whole life. She whispered, I wish you were my little girl. I'm sure Mrs. Leonard had no idea how her words would bless and change the life of Mary Ann Byrd. Perhaps you've been blessed by somebody like that in your life as you were growing up or recently. Or perhaps you've missed out on that blessing and are suffering because of it. I hope you will listen carefully to this message. It is a story about a blessing. It is just one story among many stories in the Bible about blessing. In fact, in the Bible, the Hebrew word for blessing is found in the Old Testament 330 times. Did you know that the Bible is a book of blessing? That God wants to bless you, he wants to bless me, and he wants us to be a blessing to others. If we forget that, we lose our way. And sometimes we get caught up in the negativity of the culture in which we live. I want you to note that God loves you and he wants to bless your life. And we're going to see how that works out. It is his desire that when we get blessed, we bless others with the blessing with which we ourselves have been blessed. And we're going to learn about one man who asked to be blessed. And it was granted to him. His name was Elisha. Last we talked about him, we learned that God spoke to his mentor, Elijah, and told him to place his mantle on Elisha. We watched as Elijah found Elisha plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and Elisha was called to follow Elijah. In that field where Elisha was plowing, Elijah threw his mantle upon Elisha, and it was a symbolic way of transferring the power Elijah had to his new successor, Elisha. What Elijah had was now resting on Elisha. The Bible says that Elisha accepted the call of God upon his life. He did it immediately. As soon as the mantle was placed on him, the scripture says he ran after Elijah. He did it thoughtfully. He cared about his parents, and so he got permission from Elijah to go home. And the Bible says he went home and he kissed his mother and father and got their blessing. He did it decisively. He slaughtered one of the yoke of oxen that was in the field with him, and he cooked the oxen as a part of a feast, and he used the yoke of the oxen as the firewood, and he destroyed part of his past. He wanted everybody to know, I'm not ever coming back here. I'm never going to do this again. He burned his past so he could enjoy his future. And then he did it humbly. 
The Bible says that he arose and he followed Elijah and became his servant. Now, when you read the Bible, the one thing you don't know is how long did this servant thing last? But I've done the homework on that, and I can tell you that for the next 10 years, Elijah and Elisha walked together. Elijah was phasing out of his ministry. Elisha was phasing in. But for 10 years, they were together. And for those 10 years, Elisha, who already had the mantle of Elijah, he walked in servanthood to his mentor. He was a humble servant to Elijah. And what we learn about this blessing that he's about to receive is that it wasn't just something that happened out of nowhere. The blessing was a part of what was going on in Elisha's life. First of all, the relationship behind the double blessing. It was a relationship of loyalty. In 1 Kings chapter 19, 21, we read that Elisha arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. And from the time that he became his servant until Elijah went to heaven, a decade passed. And during that decade of walking together, Elisha was discipled and prepared to walk in Elijah's steps. But Elijah's time on this earth was about to end. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1 begins this way. And it came to pass... When the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now let me set the setting here. Elijah and Elisha are about to take their last journey together. It's a walk of remembering. It is a transitional walk. They're going to visit some cities. They're going to visit Gilgal. They're going to visit Bethel. They're going to visit Jericho, and they're going to end up at the Jordan River. And this journey is told to us in the second chapter of 2 Kings. We read in verse 2 of 2 Kings that when they started the journey, they had left Gilgal, they were about to get to Bethel. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. If you read that carefully, you'll know that what Elijah is saying to Elisha is, I don't want you with me anymore. You stay here, I'm going on. We don't know what that's all about, but we know what happened. In fact, we know it happened three times. If you look down at your Bible in verse 2, verse 4, and verse 6, they're almost exactly alike, except for the place. Verse 2 says, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Verse 4 says, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on Jericho. Verse 6, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, because the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. Three times, in just a little short period of time, Elijah is trying to get rid of Elisha. Now, I don't know why. Maybe he's just tired of him. Maybe he's been a pain trying to teach this young man what he'd learned. Maybe he just wanted to be free of him. Or maybe, as we learn later, Elijah knew that he's about to go to heaven and he doesn't want anybody around him. He wants to experience this in his own way and he doesn't want somebody looking on. But on every occasion... When he said to Elisha, you stay here, I'm going on. Three times, Elisha said the same thing. In verses 2, 4, and 6, here's what he said to his mentor. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. In other words, you're not getting rid of me, Elijah. I'm with you, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to stay with you. Now, we're not given a reason in the Bible for this strange interchange between these two men. 
it seems most probable that Elijah was continuing to test his disciple to see if he had the grit and determination to carry the torch as the prophet to the next generation. On each occasion, Elisha refused to be separated from his mentor. He was loyal to Elijah. Do you know what? Loyalty is kind of a lost value in our day, isn't it? I don't know if you've noticed it. It used to be more prominent than it is now. Loyalty has given way to expediency, to what's easier to do, what's best for me. But one thing we can say about Elisha, you may not know much else about him. He was a loyal follower of Elijah. And we know that he also had a love for Elijah. In verse 3 of 2 Kings, we read, Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And Elisha said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. If you examine verse 5, you will read the exact same words with the exception that the prophets of Bethel have been replaced by the prophets of Jericho. And no reason is given for Elisha's command to the prophets to be silent. may simply be an issue of respect, or maybe Elisha was so distraught with the soon departure of his mentor that he just didn't want to talk about it. Have you ever been in a place like that? Something so emotional going on in your life and everybody wants to dig into it and find out, and you just don't want to talk to them. Just keep silent. Leave me alone. i got to deal with this myself. It's not hard to imagine the emotion that Elisha was experiencing. Just think about it for a moment now. He'd been walking with this man for 10 years. They were hardly ever out of each other's sight. Everything that Elijah did, Elisha experienced. All the miracles, all the, the wonderment of God. What happened on Mount Carmel at the Brook Sherith, all of those places in Elijah's life, Elisha was there. And as he thought about it and realized he was about to lose his friend, maybe he just thought, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want anybody to talk about it. And by the end of this day, he was thinking this will be over, and he kept walking with his friend. So get this picture. Here's two guys on a lonely walk, walking together, knowing both of them that these are the last hours they're going to spend together. Before the day is over, Elijah is going to be taken away, and Elisha will be left alone. And there's a little ritual that follows, and the ritual is in verses 7 and 8. When the two men arrive at the Jordan River, which is at the end of their walk, they are met by a welcoming committee. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, and he rolled it up, and he struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. This is one of the most epic transitions in all of the Bible. This is Moses and Joshua. This is David and Solomon. This is Paul and Timothy. This is John the Baptist and Jesus. One ending his ministry, the other beginning his ministry. And the ceremony is interesting. They walk across the Jordan in a path that is created by Elijah's miracle mantle. Cast the mantle over the water, almost like the miracles in the other part of the Old Testament, and the waters separate and they go on the other side. Now, that brings us to the very core of the double blessing. And that's the request that produced the double blessing. 
As they get to the other side of the river, Elijah and Elisha, they've walked together for these 10 years. They've come to the river. The miracle has happened. They walk over on dry ground. They're on the other side of the Jordan. And Elijah turns to his protege and he says to him, ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. In other words, he says to Elijah, Elisha, I want to do something for you. You Tell me whatever you want. I want to do it for you. People have asked me why he would say such a thing. I think Elijah might have been feeling a little bit guilty about how he'd been treating Elisha, trying to keep him from walking with him and maybe not being as nice to him as he might have been. And he realizes that here's this young prophet about to take his role. He doesn't have a lot of experience running things. And so he wants to do something for him before he goes to heaven. And his question was like the question that God asked Solomon many years before. Do you remember this story? As Solomon was beginning his ministry at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said to Solomon, Ask, what shall I give you? What would you ask God for if you could have anything you wanted. Now, I understand Solomon was 22 years old when this happened, and I hate to think what my request would have been at that age. And I probably don't know what you're thinking, and probably it's a good idea. I don't know some of that, too. But it's interesting, both what Solomon asked God for and what Elisha asked Elijah for. Solomon was asked this question by God, what do you want Solomon could have asked for a number of things. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for power. Instead, he asked, listen to this, for a hearing heart so that he could discern between good and evil and judge the people of Israel righteously. And because Solomon did not ask for a long life and because he didn't ask for riches for himself or for power over his enemies, the Bible says that God granted to Solomon his request And God's response to Solomon is worth remembering. Here it is from 1 Kings chapter 3. God said to Solomon, Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among all the kings all of your days. Solomon asked God for the right thing. He didn't ask for all of the trinkets that we think are so important. He asked God to give him wisdom. Solomon became the wisest man who ever lived. The book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, is the work of Solomon. The Old Testament wisdom books were written by this man. He was the wisest man who ever lived. He ended up being the richest man who ever lived. And he was the most powerful man who ever lived. None of those things that he asked for. He asked for a wise heart and God was so impressed with his request. He gave him everything he asked for and everything he didn't ask for. And Solomon became a great king up until the end of his life. What Solomon asked for is very similar to what Elisha asked for. When he was asked, what do you want? His response was, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Elijah said, son, before I leave, I want to give you something. What can I give you that will help you? And Elisha said, I want to be twice as good as you were. 
I want twice what you had. I want a double portion of your spirit. First blush, this seems kind of like an arrogant request, but it wasn't. It was actually a request for the right of primogeniture. According to the Old Testament law, the firstborn had the right to a double portion of the inheritance. And I think Elisha looked around at all the other prophets and he said, Elijah, don't forget, I'm your firstborn prophetic son, and I want to have double everything that you have. And if you study the life of Elisha as we are right now, you will realize he got exactly what he asked for. His ministry was almost twice as long as Elijah's, and he performed twice as many miracles as his mentor did. In other words, Elisha got what Elisha asked for. How many of you know if you ask for the right thing, you'll get the right answer? The request is the whole deal. God doesn't answer my prayer. Well, maybe you're asking for the wrong things. The request is the issue. Elisha was not interested merely in Elijah's staff or his parchments or even his mantle. When it came time to be written into Elijah's will, Elisha wanted a spiritual inheritance. He wanted to have the living power of the Holy Spirit in his life in twice the impact that it had been in the life of Elijah. Elisha had witnessed Elijah's power. Can you imagine that? When he called down fire upon the sacrifice, when he killed all the prophets of Baal, when it rained and then it didn't rain and then it rained again, he saw all of that. And he looked at himself and realized he wasn't fit for that, but he knew that the power that Elijah had was God's power. Here's the thing that you learn. The prophet is leaving, but the God of the prophet is staying. And he's going to stay in the life of Elisha because of his request. Well, this isn't the end of the story because Elijah said, I'm going to answer your request, but I'm going to put a couple of rules in place. So let's read the next part of this and you see if you don't think this is a little strange. So Elijah said to him, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two men. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. Now, did you get what he said? He said, Elisha, I'm going to give you what you've asked me for on one condition if you watch me and you see me when I go to heaven. R.T. Kendall has a great take on this moment. He says, I'm not exactly sure that Elijah was thrilled with this request. Although I doubt he was surprised, he knew Elisha pretty well by now. But for Elisha to get a double portion of Elijah's spirit, a fairly cheeky request, that would suggest that Elisha would be greater than Elijah. In fact, twice greater You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Difficult? Why? For whom? For God? Surely not. No, it was difficult for Elijah. Then he relented on one condition. If you see me when I'm taken away from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. Kendall said, I can safely tell you that Elisha was in Elijah's face from that moment on. 
He never looked up. He never looked down. He never looked sideways. He didn't even sneeze. He wasn't going to take his eyes off that prophet because he was going to get his blessing. Hmm. Interesting way to look at that, isn't it? Hey, friends, we're so excited about all that God is doing. And one of the things that's really uh, right in front of us and captures us every day is this new book that comes out in October called Where Do We Go From Here? In this book, I'm going to talk about socialism, globalism. I'm going to explain what the pandemic meant, a financial crisis that's coming, uh, what all of the falling away from the church and from the gospel means. We're going to talk about end-time people, and uh, we'll explain all the details of what happened in Jerusalem with the moving of the embassy and uh, the Abraham Accords. This is the most um, current book for what's going on in the world today. I've tried to do my best to show you what the Scripture says about the things that are happening to us. And it's all in a brand new book from Thomas Nelson called Where Do We Go From Here? And here's the good news. You can pre-order your copy today. You can pre-order it through our internet website. You can go there right now and order the book and you'll be among the first to receive it and you will get some digital assets that will also help you uh, messages on the rapture and the second coming that you can download because you ordered the book ahead of time. Thank you for doing that. Hey, we'll see you right here tomorrow as we continue our study of Elisha. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Elisha, the Double Blessed Prophet, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2022, Moving Toward Hope, filled with scriptures and images to encourage your walk. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to instantly access our content. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Elisha, the Double Blessed Prophet, here on Turning Point. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Every day we find public opinion polls on a variety of subjects, especially political issues and candidates. Mark Twain had an opinion on the thing called public opinion. He said public opinion is held in reverence. It settles everything. Some think it is the voice of God. 
He was being facetious, of course, and for good reason. It's true that everyone is entitled to his or her opinion, but in the final analysis, there is only one opinion that really matters, and that is God's. God doesn't have opinions, of course. He simply states the truth, and we would be wise to conform our opinions to His truth. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's truth on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.